You're listening to Self Worst. This is a podcast about failure, inspiration, day jobs, bad habits, and mental health. We talk about spiritualism, we talk about art, we talk about imposter syndrome, perfectionism, mediocrity, and meritocracy. We do sometimes talk about sexual assault, suicidal ideation, trauma, and whatnot. Yeah, we go there. So, you know, be advised. Each week, artists, losers, dirtbags, musicians, degenerates, comedians, actors, fuck-ups, scholars, crazies, filmmakers, veterans, sluts, commies, weirdos, activists, addicts, teachers, fatties, queers, and all other types of beautiful people join me, Brad Pearson. Not a doctor. Not a therapist. Not an expert. In a discussion of what to do with this stupid sacred life are you blessed or are you cursed with a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst do you want to confide about the darkness inside come and talk about it on self-worst ah hello everybody hope you're all having a nice week it's new episode day for the podcast we got in it where we're kind of releasing on a uh, semi-consistent basis on Thursdays these days, huh? How's that? It's Thursday. It's podcast day. Week's almost over. It's almost my birthday. How about that shit? I'm gonna turn 37. The big 3-7 on, uh, Sunday, September 26th. That makes me a Libra for those of you who, uh, buy into that nonsense. Yeah, I'm gonna make some enemies here. I don't like astrology. I don't give a shit. Fight me. Selfhorst at gmail.com. Find me on find me on socials. Radical Pearson on socials. Selfhorst on on Instagram. Go ahead. Fight me about astrology. I don't care. That's a sidebar though. I am turning 37. And, uh, it's fine. It's a pretty unremarkable birthday. Not gonna lie, nobody cares about turning 37. Who cares? You get older. I'm pretty much over the passage of time. It's, It's taken me this many years to realize that that's how time works. It moves forward in a linear fashion. Or at least we experience it in a linear fashion as human beings with our consciousness. I don't know. What do you want? You want to, you want to freak out? You want to, you want to freak out about turning 30? Some of you freak out about turning 30. I kind of freaked out about turning 30. I got sad. I got really sad when I turned 26. I remember that because I was closer to 30 than 20 and I was like, oh no. But like, what do you want? Do you want a time machine? Do you want to be frozen in one moment forever? In one body forever? Like a vampire? You gotta suck people's blood to do that. You gotta, I don't know, live in a weird Victorian house probably. You gotta, you can't eat or drink anything else. According to most lore, you'll get sick can't enjoy any good food can't have fries again can't have onion rings 
You can't have a pizza. You gotta drink blood from a person's writhing, choking throat. Not worth immortality. I'm a little unfocused right now. I feel like in this intro, I'm hungry. I need to eat something. And I'm having a bad body image day. I'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, aging is not a big deal. It just is what it is. Right? Can we just accept it? I'm 37. Who gives a shit? I I didn't accomplish all the things I thought I was going to accomplish by the time I was 37. Oh, no. Who cares? Bro, who cares? It's, it's, it's absurd. Life is an absurdity. It's a cosmic joke. We're lucky to be experiencing it at all. We're lucky to fret about those things and not like, uh, how am I going to eat? How am I going to feed my baby? How am I going to not get my head chopped off? You know what I mean? So buck up. Get old. Get over getting old. It's fine. You get old or you die young. Those are your options, bro. We haven't invented time travel yet. Ain't no flux capacitor. My girlfriend freaks out a lot about getting old. She finds gray hairs. She freaks out about them. She plucks them out and she's like, I can't have gray hairs. I can't, I can't, I can't. And I'm like, come on. First of all, you are going to be a MILF when you ascend into higher ages. She's going to blossom. This girl, Caitlin, is going to look incredible in her 40s, in her 50s. She's going to Jane Fonda it. She's going to just continue. She's going to Hannah Waddingham it. She's going to be strong cougar vibes. I can already tell. She's been doing yoga. She's, She's smearing all kinds of serums and lotions and potions all over her face every day. She's going to be very preserved, in good shape. She wears SPF. She's going to look great. Are you kidding? I think we need to celebrate that. Aging. I, I mean, yes, it's, a, it's, it's definitely a much bigger issue with women. Y'all know that. Y'all know that. Our society is not nice to aging women. Oh, the contempt. The, the, the shaming that we do towards women when they, when they get old. Good God. The cruelty. The meanness. It's fucked up. I'm here to say it first. It's not right. Having kind of a bad body image day. That's where I'm at right now. None of this is relevant to today's episode, really. But, you know, this is about our mental health, this whole podcast. So I thought I'd share where I'm at. Because I caught myself in a moment earlier. I was showering. 
and I caught a sideways glance at myself in the mirror, ugh, felt bad. I'm up in the 190s now, weight-wise. I'm six feet tall. I'm a pretty big boy. I usually hover between 170, 190, somewhere in that general range. I've never been as low as 170. What? Who, who the fuck am I? Maybe 175. I'm like, I'm like at my lightest. And uh, I just, I don't know. I try and not let it bother me. I try and recognize the the internalized uh, body images, image body body negativity for what it is. You know, we're shown pictures of what bodies should look like, and they're ridiculous. Everybody's got to look like they do in the fucking Marvel movies. Come on. Someone pointed this out recently. Look at look at Hugh Jackman in the first X-Men movie compared to uh, the later X-Men movies where he's playing Wolverine. And it's insane. The first X-Men movie, he, like he's jacked. He's still jacked. It's in his name. He has to be. He still looks great. But he looks like kind of like normal person fit. And then you look at him in, what was it? First class or not first class. The time travel one with Peter Dinklage. Uh, whatever. And he looks fucking insane. There's like veins popping out. You can see like every fucking fiber of every muscle. Like these cords of muscle. It looks like his skin is like, like, like paper thin. Like your eyelid over his, but over his torso, and you just see every little fucking vein of every little thing. It's it's just like kind of gross. But that's the standard that's been that we've been moving towards. And I, I know that it's you know, it's 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 worse for women. Again, I feel like I always have to qualify this every few minutes. So I don't sound like I'm like, it's really hard to be a white guy. It's not. But this is the only experience I can speak to. I'm in decent shape. And maybe I've put on a couple of pounds. Not sure why. It just happens. Weight fluctuates. You know, I I don't really look at my diet. I eat cookies when I want. I drink beer when I want. I don't really put any thought into that. So it happens. And then I catch a sideways glimpse of myself and I got a little bit of a love handle. Got a little bit of a tum-tum. Got a little bit of, you know, like semi-jacked dad bod. That's sort of what I'm rocking right now. Like slightly more muscular than a guy who's like not even trying at all. And the amount of work I have to do to even get that, good lord. I talk about Sisyphus a lot on this show in the intros and outros. There it is, pushing that boulder up that hill. I bet Sisyphus was jacked, right? Had to be. But he's still miserable, or we have to assume he's happy. I don't know, whatever. If you follow me on socials, 
Uh, you know that I post thirst sometimes. Yeah, I post thirst. It's fun. I like the validation of getting a like on a shirtless photo. So what? It makes me feel good. I'm, I'm dopamine deficient and it gives me a little hit of dopamine. I do it because I feel bad. I do it because I'm insecure. Is that not obvious? Most people who post stuff like that, they, they do it because they, they want the validation. Hello? Okay, some people who post thirst, they do it because they genuinely are hot and they're into themselves. And like they should be because they're, they're just objectively hot. That's rare. Someone who's like that smoking hot, like that is the vast minority. Most people have just regular, normal-ass bodies. Go to the beach. Check it out. I, I feel both very validated and very insecure when I go to the beach. Because I'm just like, well, most everybody around me, they look normal. And then there's like one just like glistening, perfect, just, just like cut from mahogany dude walking down the beach selling nutcrackers or whatever. And I'm like, what the fuck? Am I bi? I might be a little bit. Boy, we're getting into some revelations on this show, huh? On this episode. Didn't know I was going to go there. I don't know. I I don't know if I actually... I don't know if I actually... I'm going to walk that back. I don't know. But... If I was into dudes, I would only be into like a very specific... I would, I would be a very uh, body judgmental gay or bi if I was. Like you would have to have like six pack abs. Then we could talk. That's not fair. I know. It's not even what I... It's, I'm, I'm not even... Most of my friends, most of the dudes I know just have like normal ass bodies. Some are even kind of chum- chunky. I was going to say chunky, I was going to say chubby, and then it became chumky, which is actually kind of a cute word. You're chumky, and that's okay, and I don't think any less of you. That's what's crazy. I only have this standard for myself. I only get mad at my body. I don't see a fat guy walking down the street, and I'm like, that fat fuck, fuck him. He should kill himself. No. I'm like, cool. All right. Maybe he thinks about it all the time. Maybe he doesn't like his body. Or maybe it just, it, it, that doesn't bother him. And he's fine. He's worried about other shit. In that case, I'm jealous. But I don't hold people to that standard. I hold myself to that standard. And it's impossible. It is never gonna be enough. Not for me. Like, I would, if I had the means, and if I really had the follow-through, I would be one of those, like, I'd be at the gym five hours a day, HGH, I'd do it. And then I'd realize that I still feel bad. Joke's on me, still feel bad. I know jacked dudes, very, very fit, 
who still feel bad. So what are you going to do? I'm asking, what are you going to do? This is probably something I should talk about with my therapist tomorrow morning. You know, I just, uh, I want to acknowledge it. I want to acknowledge that uh, I'm in a pretty good headspace mentally. I'm on a good grind. I'm having good weeks. I'm, I'm having good days and good weeks. I'm stringing good days into good weeks. And I still have days where I'm just, I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, what the fuck? God damn it. So that's never going to go away. If it hasn't gone away by the time I'm almost 37, then that, that shit's just for keeps. Cool. That's just my condition. That's just my life. Okay. I accept it. I don't know. All this to say, I hope if you are feeling bad about your body, about your appearance, whatever, um, you know, keep at it. <laughs> I have nothing to, I have nothing to offer you. I have nothing. You're not alone in it. I have, uh, you're, you're gonna be okay. There is help out there. There are other people who are going through what you're going through. I know that I'm on like the relatively light end of bad body image. I know that. It's not that bad for me. It's not even that bad for me anymore. I just have bad moments. It still rears its head. Oh, it was bad for a while. Despised my body through my 20s. Ugh. Terrible. But, you know, uh, now I don't care anymore. I'm not totally sure how I got here. So I guess that's not super helpful. Oh well. Look, this week, we're talking to comedian Jeffrey Osmus. He's Chicago-based. He's a Midwestern boy like me. We love a Midwestern boy on this show. Us corn-fed, milk-fed Midwestern boys. It's where it's at. He's a very funny comedian. Uh, he's been touring around the Midwest a lot. Uh, definitely follow him on socials. We'll put that in the show notes, of course. He's got a special. I mentioned this later, but I'll, it bears repeating. He's got a special called The Prodigal Little Bitch, which is one of the best album titles I've ever heard. Um, and it's a great album. It's really funny. Um, and we have a, we had a nice talk. I'd never talked to him before. He was very approachable, very nice, and uh, it was great. I, I, I got, I got no notes, no notes. Perfect. Wouldn't change a thing. Anyway, uh, let's go to the show. I'll do, I'll do the. You know what? I've, I've talked your ear off on this intro. I'm not gonna waste any more time. Let's go to the show right now. What's up, man? How's it going? How you doing. Uh, thank you for joining me, man. It's... Yeah, no worries. 
It's, uh, it's always, it always amazes me. It's very adventurous of people to come on to this show. Somebody who they've never met, don't know who they are, and they're just like, yeah, I'll yeah. come on your show and just talk about personal issues. No problem. No big that's deal. The, yeah, that's the modern age we live in. It's yeah, kind of cool. So you're, you're in the Midwest. I do. I live in Chicago. Yeah, okay. I live in beautiful Chicago. Uh, yeah, I just moved in with my girlfriend in Chicago. It's great. Beautiful. Um, have you been Thank based you. out of there for a long time? Uh, yeah, I started comedy in Madison, Wisconsin, which mm -hmm. is where I went to college. It's like in the middle of Wisconsin. It's a great place. Yep. And then I lived here for like three years. I lived in New York for like two years and I moved back here a little bit before the pandemic. I like had a sixth sense something was coming and I moved back and I turned out to be right. So is that right? That, you, you, you felt some sort of premonition. No, no, I'm ominous. kidding. I, no. I, it, nothing, I ran, I ran out of money. I wish I had some sixth sense, but I, right. I you could, you could have bought sense. stock. You could have bought some, some like yeah, J and J I, stock I or something. Yeah. Like what Nancy Pelosi do when she invested in the, in the vaccine companies. Yeah. yeah. Great. It's very, it's all very cool. Uh, so give us a little bit of your, um, your origin story. Like, you know, where you, where you're from, where you grew up and all of that. What was, what was little Jeffrey like? Little Jeffrey. Wow. Uh, I grew up in Minnesota in uh, oh, yeah. the Twin Cities. I was just there. Uh, my sister lives there. Oh, it's, yeah. yeah I, I love the Twin Cities. Oh yeah, it's a it's a, an incredible place. Like incredible place to grow up. I can't really complain too much about my childhood. I yeah, I, I it usually comedians have like some terrible struggle, but I like I had a pretty idyllic childhood. I'm not gonna right. lie about that. I by my brain fucked it up more than anything. I uh, yeah, I was I was like a weird kid. I liked being alone a lot. I was mm -hmm. always alone. I don't know why. Yeah, I just didn't really get along. So with it's not that else. other kids didn't want to hang out with you because you were like weird or smelly or off putting. Uh, I mean, I was you were a little like, weird. But it was you. You were just like, yeah, I'm good. I'm just gonna. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the time. I mean, I did have friends for sure, but I'd spent a lot of time alone. And I, I looking back, I had some things that I did as a child that I would like. <laughs> I would like walk or like crawl like a cow in the yard and eat clover in our yard <laughs> like i mean i was like four or five years sure. old but still a little too old to be doing shit like that and one time i did it and my dad had just fertilized the lawn so i like ate fertilizer and started throwing up ate everywhere. A bunch of um, yeah no. I, yeah it probably fucked me up for sure so or, you were you said how you, your your brain uh, is what like ruined your childhood, not so much the circumstances of your childhood. Can you elaborate on that? Uh, I just, yeah, that, what do I mean? I mean, like, I just kind of always felt like I, there was a bubble between me and other people and that I couldn't quite breach the gap. So I just kind of stayed in my own head mm -hmm. and I wasn't really that sad about it. I think what's going on in my head is pretty cool and I don't really resent i don't i don't i think i've I, my brain moves really fast and i'm not like a genius or anything but it's just like right. it keeps me entertained for sure so i don't need i don't always feel the need for talking i think talking is a waste of time a lot of the time sure yeah opinion. i mean you, you run across those people who just have to fill empty space with yeah. meaningless nothing and that you can tell they're very uncomfortable with silences if you just happen to be sitting together doing whatever you know and it's exactly. just like you know we can just sit here and just vibe for a minute I that's can't, fine i can't i can't be around people who just won't stop talking it, it really yeah. it bugs. i mean I've, i'm on the other side i should sometimes speak up a little more maybe mm -hmm. we didn't 
learn each other's name on a six hour car ride or whatever. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, it's hard cause I'm not one of those people, but then as a podcast host, that is what I have right. to do. Cause dead air is the enemy. So you have to just right. always have some little thing in the back, you know, pocket to, so this to pull is a out. suitable contextual. Sure. Yeah. We only have to keep like... this up for like an hour or so. Then we yes. can just go and just like, yeah. let it, you know, and just like, never talk to anybody big, for the rest of the evening. My pet peeve is like, if I'm reading a book and someone tries to talk to me, I'm like, I don't, don't, don't interrupt me. I'm reading a book. I'm listening right. to music. Like, why do you interrupt people when they're doing shit like that? Yeah. That always gives me. I was, I was walking down the street on my phone, you know, just, uh, just like scrolling through something. Um, and this guy walked by me and was just like, you look like a good beer drinker. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah. this was today. And I was just yeah. like, I, sure, I can, I can throw him <laughs> back. And he's just like, what's your yeah. favorite kind of beer? And I was just like, I don't want to have this. Yeah, like, I'm clearly this. not, this is not like, you're really breaking a lot of like New York code right now right. by like trying to engage with just like some stranger who's already clearly, do I wasn't like looking around for like, hi, like yeah, yeah. someone engage with me, please. I wasn't wearing a funny also, hat. Wasn't wearing a conversation piece. Yeah. He's also kind of insulting you. He's like, you look like an alcoholic. You look like. <laughs> You look like a guy who couldn't keep his kids. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just like, do I look that Germanic? Do yeah. I look that Midwestern? I don't, like, I do have kind of a pinkish complexion, I know, but For like, sure. You know, yeah, you do look like you're a little drunk right now. I'm yeah. not. I swear, I'm not. Know, this is a Lacroix and everything. LaCroix, I, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's funny. I always try and get the vibe first. You know, if my guest is going to have a beer, I'll have a beer with them. If not, right. then like, I don't like showing up like, like hey, what's up? You know, I'm like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's I got a little anyway. high like three hours ago, so I'm a little high now. Sure. Just like the perfect amount right now. That's perfect. That's, That's the good. pocket. That's what yeah. you want. Yes. Hell yeah. So um, you studied religion in college. Um, yes. And you were yes. you were brought up Catholic? Yeah, do I, yeah, do I have we that right? Catholic, yeah. Um, not, so, what was it about uh, religious studies? Like, what what gravitated you towards that? Uh, well, we went to I went to Catholic school too from fifth grade to through the end of high school. Mm -hmm. So, and we went. I went to kind of like a liberal Catholic school. It wasn't like fuck gay people and all that. We kind of right. like we actually learned about like we had a couple classes where we learned about like other religions and stuff, which. Cool. Looking back, it was pretty cool. I'm glad that we had that. So that was cool. But I just, I've, I've been, I loved history since I was a little kid. My grandpa got me into it. And I've just always, it's crazy to me that people get like so into religion and either they don't really know about much about the one they believe in or they know nothing about any other of the ones. So like, they like just pick a uh, lifestyle without even shopping around. You know what right. I mean? you're just raised Catholic, but you don't have an idea what Islam or Buddhism is. I think that's crazy just to go with the first choice of eternal yeah. salvation. It's wild. There is uh, what is, uh, it, is it the Jesuits? Like a, like the more progressive uh, uh, wing of Catholicism? Yeah, they, I, like, I don't know yeah, a whole lot about it. They are kind of a, a progressive, like educational. They formed a lot of colleges and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know what branch my high school is. We weren't Jesuit. I can't even, I don't even know actually. Right. Um, yeah, I was raised uh, Unitarian, so we got oh, like we were, you know, like on that end of the spectrum. We were right. like very like almost like, in the woo, but like not quite woo woo. Like, yeah, um, they're barely even Christian. They're just kind of like yeah. there's a spirit out there, and let's believe yeah. in it. Well, it it, it like. varies across 
what I've noticed is it varies regionally. Like if you go to like oh, the yeah. East Coast, they tend to be like a little bit more like kind of gaudy. And you go to uh-huh. the West Coast, they tend to be like pretty far into the universalism side of it. Yeah. And, okay. and they're more like, you know, this isn't a church. It's a Unitarian society. Like, yeah, because you know, they don't yeah. even like the word church. And like you the say priest, anything like, like God or whatever. Yeah, they're like, they're like, it makes people uncomfortable. So I'm like, yeah. and, and like when I was a kid, I was like, oh, I get that because I was sent accidentally to a Christian daycare when I was a kid, like my parents were just like, oh, it's just like a, you know, kinder care or whatever. It's just held in a church, but they didn't <laughs> yeah. like they didn't know that it was actually religious based. And they told right. me as like a five year old that my family and I were all going to hell and yeah. like showed me a bunch of videos of Jesus being crucified and like nails oh, going through whoa. his hand and shit. And I was just like, <gasps> like and uh-huh. that. So that left kind of a bad taste right. in my mouth towards religion and stuff exactly yeah they're like teaching you the colors like red like the color of christ's blood yeah (laughs) stuff like that really insane stuff to say to a kid man um but are you like cool though unit my parents go to unitarian now like they like the priests wear jeans Mm -hmm. and they got a they got a drummer on stage and yeah. they got like a little concert going on. It's yeah, kind of there's fun. there's lots of jazz dads, lots of soul patches yeah. and just, you know, like yeah, exactly. parents who smoke weed, you know, yes, like that exactly. sort of vibe. That's what it yeah, is. they're pretty yeah. cool. Um, <laughs> uh, do you consider yourself a Catholic still? Uh, no, I jokingly say I am because I think it's funny. But no, I think if you have. Yeah, I don't want to. Ju- I think if you are. Uh, read about the catholic church it would be very difficult to morally be a catholic still i don't i think there are they do actually do some good in the world that i think is forgotten but they are pretty evil sure yeah i mean i was like i was uh driving around earlier today and i was thinking like what am i going to ask jeffrey about like the the dichotomy of like being a comedian and like religion especially like religion and or, or catholicism and comedy because you know, you think of comedy as so kind of, you know, it's like, it's fun. And then religion, like, but your, your comedy is also very like, it's quite dark and it's quite dirty at times. Um, Uh but then like, I almost had to throw out that question because I was like, well, but also Catholicism is super violent and really metal yeah. and really dark. And it's like people getting tortured to death and like there's right. you know, there's rampant sexual abuse in the church. So like, you know, jokes about like, you know, wanting to be around kids and stuff like that is just like, well, how does this isn't actually incongruent with Catholicism? Actually, Right, right. I hate that idea that religion has to be like this, like boring, like la di da di da. Like, no, you can't swear and be dirty when you talk about religion that's kind of what i want to change if Mm -hmm. i can do what i I like to do like like god invented like dirty shit and dark humor let's kind of have fun with it god invented the penis the pussy the butthole all of that yeah exactly so let's talk about we don't need to yeah i don't like when people segment that away from religion that's boring what do you consider uh do you consider yourself a spiritual person now are you agnostic are you atheist Uh, I, I I do believe in some sort of God and due to my, the way I was raised, I don't think I can ever not see it through a Christian lens. I just, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, you go to church every week, you go to a Catholic school, it's just how I'm go- That's just how I see the world. I mean, the whole Western world is based on Christian stories and phrases mm-hmm. and shit. So it's pretty hard to get away from that. But I do think, well, in, in college, we learned that like, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's like, religion is like a mountain 
and every religion's like the sun shining on it during a different part of the day. Like they're all pointing towards the same thing, but they just say use different words or nouns. Right. It's all kind of the, basically the same. I mean, again, being raised Unitarian, we we read other you know texts and studied other religions when we were in you know like our Sunday school. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like learned about Buddhism, learned about Islam and learned and and like it, it was like mind blowing to me as a kid to learn that like, oh, the, there's a lot in the Quran that like really overlaps with the Bible and stuff. So they're kind right. of they're almost the same. It's just You're sort like of in a different percent the same. Yeah. yeah, there's like there's just kind of a different storyline. Like it's like from a slightly yeah. different perspective, like Jesus uh -huh. is there, like it's all there. And yet your average American Christian thinks of a Muslim person as like, they're like from Neptune or right. something like they're from they don't some that, other. Like, yeah. Jesus and Abraham are like the number two and three guys in Islam. Like they're yeah. like, they're like the main characters. Yeah. It's crazy. But you know, cause you never learn. It's not really their fault. They never learn about it. Yeah. Because like we do such a, it is good to like separate church and state like in yeah. school, but I think we do it so much that we never actually learn about religion um, except if we go to church and then we only learn about that specific religion. Right. And that's usually, I mean, like the religion is like propaganda. It's basically. propaganda. I mean, like sometimes it's mostly religion with a little bit of propaganda wedged in there, but I think usually uh, it's like, you know, uh, propaganda is the is the sausage and religion is like maybe like a thin bun around yeah, it, you know, exactly. like it's it's very much the the vessel um right. for for a certain, you know, ideology which like always bummed me out because I mean, you know, as I'm sure you know studying religion like it, there's a reason people, human beings gravitate towards it so much because uh -huh. there is this spiritual question of why do we exist? What is all of this? Like what's, what happens after we die? Like big unanswerable questions that we are burdened with by having consciousness, you know? And, um, and, and, and so it, it can do a lot of good for people and it can build community, oh, sure. but that's what it's, but it's so abused so often yeah. like all, all, almost more often than not i would think i, I think yeah unfortunately as, when you get a bunch of people in a group for almost anything they don't do good things generally yeah. like people all believe the same thing yeah but i think like if we read like if kids like read other religions when they grew up i think a lot of shit would change or at least soften at least you get a kid from kansas reading what buddha wrote i think they'd probably look a little better at it. Did you ever consider like going into uh, clergy or anything like uh, that? I I did briefly, but I don't. I would. I wouldn't feel comfortable being part of one of the denominations because I think religion kind of falls apart when you like turn it into a bureaucracy or whatever. But it is. It would be cool to be a priest. I think that's why I kind of like comedy. Your your comedy is kind of like giving a sermon. A yeah. Little bit. I mean, that's, there are a lot of, I mean, there's at least a couple of comedians that have a background as oh, for sure. ministers with Sam, Sam Kinison. Sam Kinison yeah. was one. There's a uh, few I've met. I can't Bill remember. Bill Hicks had some, or no, he was, he was like a hardcore atheist, but I think he had kind of a, kind of a preachery vibe to him. Uh -huh. you know? And I, I think a lot of comics do have sort of a preachery. I've met a lot of vibe. comics whose parents were preachers. I've met a lot of like, yeah. no, they're not like famous, but I know a lot of comedians whose parents were in the ministry it's like the same it's very similar yeah yeah i mean well and again that's why i think 
comedy fans, especially of, I don't know, we won't name names, but like certain, uh, certain comedy groups or certain comedy, I don't know, cultures, their fan bases uh-huh. get real rabid and real protective of them right. if they're ever yeah. criticized by an outsider or anybody else Culty, like yeah. in the scene like if it's another comedian t- attacking or criticizing another comedian they're like how dare you speak against the you know it's like right. this weird tribalism thing that gets activated yeah. because yeah. you're giving like, them something you, that they you're a heretic to Rogan or something <laughs> you're like, yeah you can't yeah it is very religiony yeah cuz people do take it too seriously and then they think that we're like philosophers or whatever but yeah and, and I mean, there are points to be made, but I think people take it a little too seriously Yeah, on both sides. How did you get started in comedy? Uh, I started in, I started a little bit before I, not like a couple months before I graduated. I went to the University of Wisconsin in Madison mm-hmm. and they have, a lot of people don't know this. It's kind of, it, it's one of the best comedy clubs in the country is in Madison, actually. It's like, it's because it's like a college town surrounded yeah. by like a sea of, very red so it's like it's known as one of the most liberal cities in the country right. it's like the Ber- the berkeley of the midwest or whatever i've heard that or like austin kind of so it has like a really cool comedy club that like that i would go to all the time in college because they had like college night it was like five bucks or something and then all my friends were like you you should do it you're funnier than these guys and then they eventually my actually it's my friend from saudi arabia really got me he convinced me to do comedy because he didn't speak English well enough. And he's like, you do it because I can't or whatever. Right. And then I kind of, we like wrote my act together for a while. And then eventually I did my own thing. But at first it was me and this guy kind of writing jokes together. So it was him like that sort of put the, the, the bee in your bonnet, so to speak? Kind of, yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. He, he was like, you should do this. You, you're funny. And, and yeah, he kind of, uh, my other friends did too, but he was the one who really pushed me over the edge. Yeah. How'd you do when you started? Did you did, did you have a lucky first couple or did you suck at uh, first? Well, the thing, Madison, the comedy club, they have a, a really popular open mic every Wednesday that'll mm-hmm. have like 200 to 250 people at it, which is insane. Yeah. And so the first time I did stand up was for 250 people and it's, and they're, they're like <laughs> college kids and they're like, right. they laugh at anything. So I did do well. I, it wasn't good, but I did do well. Right. It's like, kind of hard to bomb for acme comedy club has a very similar thing in in the twin cities like it's their their open mic is like an actual comedy night and then you come to new york where like an open mic is just like three sad guys in a bar waiting to go on stage it's just like blow your brains out it is just like so miserable but you need those shows to realize because if you just do the shows in madison some people live there and they're like i am the greatest comedian to ever ever live (laughs) and then they leave 30 minutes outside the city and they can't tell a joke. So you got to right. have the, the execution style open mics too. You've been touring around the Midwest. Yes, I have. Yeah. I do a lot of shows in the Midwest mm-hmm. or like the West coast. Yeah. I, I think the Midwest has the best audiences. I think they're smart, but not overly pretentious about how smart they are. Right. So they're like willing to laugh. And it's actually more diverse than people think the Midwest is all white. Yeah. It's not true. It's actually fairly diverse as long as you're not outside, like in the farm country. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, do you do you feel like you do well on the road, like as opposed to just like at home, like in the in the bigger cities? 
Uh, I mean, definitely I have, sometimes it can be a little wild, but I, I think conservative towns can be very fun actually. Yeah. Cause I think they're sometimes a little more willing to just laugh for the sake of laughing. Like mm -hmm. they'll like, I've had like conservative people love abortion jokes and I know they don't agree with me, but they're like, whatever, we're just here to have fun. Right. He'll burn in hell later or something <laughs> like we get jokes on him. Yeah, exactly. I right. think they're more sometimes more willing to compromise their beliefs for a laugh, which I think is pretty important for comedy. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about mental health. Um, yes. What is what is what was your first like inclinations and Im impressions of, of what uh, mental health versus mental illness is? And uh, what's your what's your uh, journey been? Huh? I don't. Yeah. Oh, well, I was like a I was actually a pretty happy, happy kid until I was like 15. And then yeah, I don't know why well, I'm 15, 16, then, then women or it's not women's fault, but I started to get into it. I'm not blaming <laughs> it. turns women. into an incel. Yeah. <laughs> I I, the way that came out, that was going to be bad. <laughs> but I, I then started. Feminism it. happened. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg held me down. Yeah. Right. But no, I, I, you start getting, I, I started getting attracted to women and then I was, but I was too shy. Mm -hmm. And so that really ruined my little adolescent brain. And I got really sad and mopey and wrote all this terrible poetry that it should be burned, but I kept it. As you a kept of, it. I kept some of it. Oh, it's hats really off. Bad. I burned all of mine. I like yeah, lit literally yeah, burned my teenage poetry. That's, that's good. But I, I did it when I, I was still a teenager because it, so it was like double moody, you know? Oh, yeah. You're like, I was yeah, like, fuck all this. It. I'm not this person anymore. Yeah. I'm going to write new poetry. Yeah. 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 So I was a moody kid. I was very sad. Yeah. I was very like, nobody gets me. I was very like, fuck my parents. They're all, even though they were just trying to help, but <laughs> right. I, in the, in the end, I realized that now, but yeah, I didn't drink though, or do any drugs in high school. So Same. that was, that was good. I actually, we actually made fun of the kids who did drugs, which was weird. We like, yeah, yeah but I mean, uh, kids who do drugs in high school, I mean, at least, a lot, most of the kids who did drugs in high school, to me, were pretty dumb. <laughs> like, yeah, or, no, or they were like, stupid, or they were they weren't necessarily stupid. They were just stupid about that. Like, they just like thought that, like, you know, like I I get this. I didn't start smoking weed until I was like in my twenties, and I think uh -huh. that's the right time to do it. Like in your mid twenties, when your brain is already like gelled and cooled, yeah, and, like, fully formed. Uh -huh. Um, and then, and you've like had some life experiences outside of it that you can sort of, uh, use as like a frame of reference because right. when you just start smoking weed, when you're like a dumb teenage kid, then it like activates parts of your brain and your imagination that you're not used to like having online. And you think that you see God and you think that you like have all these profound thoughts, yes. yeah. but like, like I remember a friend telling me like, yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for weed, I never would have come up with uh, my idea for drawing fetuses with wings on them. And that's like the most brilliant <laughs> thing I've ever come up with. And I was like, yeah, dog. Yeah. Thank God. That's why, that's why we need to ban weed right there. <laughs> why? Yeah, you fetuses don't want, like, with angel wings. Yeah, that's, that's, what the, that's a conservative nightmare right there. That's... <laughs> That yeah you don't yeah you don't want like the first time you go to the movie theater to be when you're high because then you're like you can't enjoy a movie unless you're high the rest of your life right but then you're you that John Stewart like, character from Half Baked yeah yeah exactly yeah that like yeah weed 
and we have this we have this cultural thing now we've went too far the other way where we're like weed is harmless it's it doesn't do anything to you it's like no we we can fuck you up we can really fuck you up it doesn't help i don't think it i don't think it does as much damage to people and society as like alcohol or other drugs but it doesn't help if you're like seriously depressed and you're just smoking weed to cope with it like that's not gonna not help gonna make you, you happier friend. sorry it's been, like it destroys your motivation too yeah you can i do think it does make you creative in small doses but if you're just every day if you need it to survive that's that's not good have you ever been anything, in that really. in, in that space have you ever like gotten stuck in like the the like smoke every day thing yeah, you know, I in college, like probably like my junior, senior years of college, I was pretty much high 24 7, 365. Mm. And it was very fun. I'm not, I had, I didn't mean I had some of the best times of my life, but like near the end, I just started getting panic attacks and I didn't yeah. understand what panic attacks were really. So I just thought I was dying. I mean, I thought I was dying like yeah. 10, times, 10 <laughs> days in a row. Oh, I just thought, I thought I was having a heart attack at 10 days in a row. It was like terrible. But, right. Eventually, I realized it was the weed, and then I stopped right. smoking weed for like three years. Yep. But now I, I, I smoke like a couple times a month, not very often. Right. No, we, 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 I think we have a very similar trajectory with this. Like, I didn't start until I was in my 20s, and then maybe went a little too hard with it because I was like, this is great. And then right, started right. having panic attacks and started to be like, does everybody hate me? Do, am, I a, am I a fucking loser? Does everybody think I'm, I suck? And like, are the cops yeah. going to get me? And like all this like just crazy shit. And then uh-huh. just like realize like, oh, no, you're just you're just high, babe. We're like, just high it's too okay. much. Like yeah. you're just high too much. And then I stopped for a while and then came back to it and I was fine. You know, exactly. like I think you need to take a break. I, I yeah. knew I was getting high too much when we got really high and waterboarded each other. When we, got, <laughs> we got me and the Saudi Arabian guy and another guy actually did. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, the- <laughs> yeah. And looking back, that was even worse that it was him. Yeah. I didn't, what, was it your idea or was I it? I can't remember who who catalyzed it, but we definitely we did it all to each other. We didn't just tie him up or whatever. Right. We did it, it was. We, I can't believe that's a real story. But yeah, we. And people think it. People don't know what waterboarding is. I think a lot of people think it's like dunking your head in water. No. But it's actually just getting a towel wet and putting it on your face. But yeah. it's really scary. It's incredibly scary. <laughs> and yeah. Obviously, don't do it. But it was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um. So when you yeah you you turned fifteen or so. Puberty yeah. happens, feelings come online, horniness comes online, and yeah. that's the beginning of starting to feel kind of, I don't know, gloomy, depressed, angsty. Yeah. Um, but and, and I think that's pretty normal for, you know, a teenage boy, but like for, sure. for me, like when I noticed that something was actually really off was like when it kind of kept going, like into my twenties and yeah, was and yeah. like was starting to realize like Oh, this wasn't just teen angst. Like I, I thought that like this I'm, was just like a hormone spike and stuff. But like, no, I've like, you know, I, I've graduated high school. I've gotten laid. I've like answered some questions, but I'm still like, I'm still sad all the time, and I don't know why. So right. like, yeah. Then we, ne- you- we never really, we were never really taught about depression, so I didn't really know what that was. I was mm-hmm. just like, well, I guess I'm. I, I was like, really, I'd be like, I'm sad so other people can be happy or something. <laughs> I would say shit like that, which is embarrassing. But I, yeah. And then also like 
I don't even know when you started drinking, but I started drinking right after high school. And then I went to a party Big Ten school. So it like, I mean, we were right. drinking every six nights a week. So that, uh, and the, you don't, I didn't learn until I was like 25 that, oh, that makes you sad, you dumb idiot. Like, right. Yeah, it's funny regard. how alcohol and depression are like so hand in hand with each other because like depression makes you want to drink, but it just makes you feel right. worse usually. And now when I don't drink for like four days, I feel great. And I'm like, you know what I want? A nice cold beer. And then it just starts all over yeah. again. I mean, there is it's, nothing like a nice cold beer. I'm not it's not, it, it is good. I, I never want to be sober. Sorry, yeah. I never want to be <laughs> I never. Want, I just want to learn to do it moderately. Which right. I think I'm do you out. have like a um, like a tolerance, like a drinker's constitution? Are you somebody who's like physically able to get drunk all the time? Uh, I you definitely used to be. I mean, like com uh, college. I went to a Big Ten school. Drinking mm -hmm. is the culture. If you don't drink, I think they kick you out. I don't right. know. I don't think there's a place for you on Wisconsin. But and then you go into then I got into comedy and then comedy is it's all at out at bars, you get paid in drink tickets and it's very difficult when you're not getting paid money to not use the other thing you're getting paid for. You feel like I earned these three free drink tickets, so I'm going to use them and I used them all. So it's like right. symbiotic. It's like a lot of comedians are alcoholics yeah. or former alcoholics. Yeah. They're pretty much all alcoholics or former alcoholics. Pretty, pretty much, pretty much. I've never met someone who really kept it together the whole time. Right, right. And, the, and yeah, I don't. Yeah, I wonder. And could, I think because the way alcohol is portrayed in the media, you, they never show the, or they they do, but not as often the like, the the hangovers, the like the sad depression that comes with it. They're all just like that, the fun drunk guy at American Pie or whatever. Right. I think that happens that affects it a lot that we don't realize the connection between depression and alcohol yeah i mean i think i'm lucky in that i have like just naturally physically a low alcohol tolerance i can have oh that's good like i start getting a headache after two beers like now that there i'm in my go. 30s like red wine no whiskey no like i'll just i'll just yeah. get sick i just feel bad and like start getting like headachey like feel like i'm like mucus uh -huh. membranes are dried out and so, like, I don't think I could be an alcoholic if I wanted to, which is just, <laughs> I think, is maybe the only thing that's stopping me from being one. It's just, they, you you know, just, like, there it's, is, like, a genetic Yeah, thing. there's just, I, is just a genetic stopper in there that's just like, nope, you, you can't do that. So it's, I, I'm blessed. That's, I heard, uh, I can't, I saw, like, a TED Talk type thing where they were, like, the hangover is like a, getting a hangover is a genetic thing to stop us from becoming alcoholics. Basically, like mm -hmm. your body gets hung over. So it's like you won't want to drink as much. But there's like 10 percent of the population that doesn't get hung over because of their genes. Yeah. And like 90 percent of them are alcoholics. I mean, so I, know, like, I know people like this who just like they're yeah. just like fucking tanks and they can just go all day. They can start drinking at like noon. Like yep, they'll just like yep. have a b barbecue or something in the backyard and they just like start cracking beers and then like 10 p.m., 11 p.m., like 2 yep. a.m. rolls around. And they're just like shots and they're just like fine. They're not slurring. They're not staggering. They're just like fine. Yep. And then the next day they just like get up, have a cup of coffee and there's like time for work. Like it's just like, how do you, what the <laughs> it, fuck? It's, it's That's, amazing. It's it's scary, but it's, it is amazing. Yeah. I know those people do. I have a friend yeah. who drank like 32 beers the other night. And Jesus. Was, he was drunk, but like right. he wasn't like 
out of control. Were they like insane. were they like uh, PBRs or something? They or? were like PBRs, but okay. like thirty two. Still, still. That's, but it was like PBRs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'd heard. I don't know how much this actually gets done, but there's like there's a drug that people take to make alcohol like intolerable to them if they if like oh. like nothing else works for them to cure their alcoholism. Oh, wow. There's like there's like a drug. That just like you, you take a pill every day and it just makes you like, just feel like you can't drink. Like if you drank yeah. alcohol, you throw up kind or of something, thing. or something, oh, or wow. yeah, or there's or I forget what it is exactly. I'm, I'm that's I'm, not bad. Yeah, I mean that sucks. I mean they, that's like severe alcohol. That's like bet, like but... that's giving it the like Clockwork Orange. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Just like you like take that. free will out of it, and right, you like no right. longer have that as a, as a thing. Like you can't. I do try it. to. I try to not take medicines as much as I can. So I'm like, I don't know if I'm for that or not. Yeah. Um, have you ever taken antidepressants or anything? Uh, uh, yeah, I did. I have a couple. I've tried. I've gone off and on like maybe three. Yeah, three times, I think. I think I did. In college, they like, I went to a counselor. My friend kind of finally convinced me to see a counselor. Why Why did they convince you to do that? What led to I don't that? Know what the, I don't know what the exact event was but i think it was like I, there was like this one semester i was really sad about this this girl who started dating someone else and i like didn't leave my room for like three months just smoked and drank all day i think that probably was what it was and then i went there they didn't really do anything but give me medicine i think it was zoloft i think they gave me zoloft yeah and it was it was it, it does work but i was like i abused it and i'd like I'd like not take it for two days and then take two at a time because it feels cool, kind of. It's like right. it, it's like makes you kind of wavy or whatever. And so I didn't really, and I kept drinking. So it doesn't. You have to. You can't just take pills. You got to fix other things in your right. life too. If yeah. you just drink every night, it doesn't matter how much medicine or therapy you have. It's not gonna cure you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, like I'm on antidepressants now. But uh -huh. I I still drink, which you're technically not supposed to do. But, eh, but I have literally like washed down my Prozac with a with like a high life, just like Nope. Yeah. Just like, oh, it's time for a you know, yeah. I didn't take mine today. Like but you get really drunk too. You get drunk quicker too, I noticed. That's what they say, but it like doesn't I mean I mean maybe that's why I, I get like fucking wicked hangovers and, and get yeah, headaches that might when, be. <laughs> when yeah. I have like two beers. Maybe. Uh -huh. I don't know. Um, Mine made me sleepy too. The Zoloft made me like really tired, and mm -hmm. then, and then I'd just be depressed that I'm tired and can't do anything. And then that kind of was a cycle too. So what else besides? And so like, medication isn't like really your thing so far as treatment of depression. You, you're you're yeah. diagnosed with depression. Um, yeah, anxiety. they said. Yeah, but I actually found out later that it's actually more anxiety that was mm -hmm. the real culprit of it all. Like I was depressed, but. Once I figured out the anxiety at like a year or two ago, yeah. it really alleviated the depression and incredible. I mean, they're twins. They're they're, they're evil twins. twins, but they're both the evil twin. They're both they're both bad. Yeah, um, I didn't realize they fed each other. So I would have never considered myself anxious until yeah. I went to therapy like two year or a year ago, and they kind oh, of it like, was only okay. like about a year ago. Yeah, um, yeah, a little more than a year ago. I what? did the counseling for like three months in college, and but didn't really take. And it then that, that was it. That was like a long gap. That was a long, that was like six or seven years, probably, or eight years. Yeah. What prompted you to return to therapy? 
Uh, I just, a lot of my friends were doing, and actually I have a good friend who is a therapist and actually I'm dating a therapist now, but that was before that was, I went to therapy before I met her, but, uh, I just heard it just do wonders for so many people. I'm like, it would be, I was like, you got to try it. Just try it. It did take me probably a year after I said I was going to, to finally do it though. Cause there is like a stigma. You feel like, oh, I don't want to admit I'm broken and right that I need someone to fix me, but it's like, yeah, we all are. It's not a big deal, whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, if, if I can convey one thing with this, uh, podcast is that like, it's to normalize mental health and therapy and yeah. like, the therapist yeah. and reaching out for help because it's, there's nothing wrong with it's needing help. It's not a big, yeah, it's not a big deal. Yeah. No, the heroes in movies aren't actually like that. Everyone no. Like, yeah, I mean, it's literally therapy. fiction. It's a work of fiction. Yeah. It's not real. Yes, yes. They're not real people. Right. Like that's that's yeah, Matthew Kurt. Modine. He's he's an actor. You know, he's he's not yeah. a real guy. Yeah. You know exactly. Jesus needed therapy. We all needed therapy. You yeah. Know? Even it, everyone needs it. It's great. Um. So what? Since medication isn't really your thing, though, like what? have you found what tools have you found to be helpful um, um in, in dealing with uh anxiety depression all of that stuff i think exercise basic but exercising mm-hmm. five six i mean i've always liked running so that wasn't really a thing i introduced into my life running is your I, thing running is what i do generally mm-hmm. but i do yoga sometimes too but run, i really like to run and it i mean it'll really run the runner's high i mean everyone's heard about yeah. it but it Working out, it does make you happy. And I think if you're not working out at least four or five days a week, you can't really claim to be trying to be happy. I think kind of disingenuous to yourself and you feel your body feels better. You're more energetic. It's just, it it makes everything better. It's hard. I mean, that's a hard thing to start, especially when you're in the rut. Like, I mean, I get it. Like I I exercise pretty uh, frequently now, but like, there's there were years where it was just like yeah totally i should or like i don't want to fucking like i'm not right you know i was not there's the jock stigma too i think with like a lot of like you know those of us who grow up on the sort of like nerdier artsy sensitive side like you know like there's sort of like a pride in being unathletic i think Um, right you think it's like brute like me me stupid me yeah yeah it's just like the rogan thing you know when it's like and like especially like the modes of exercise that i've adopted that i'm most into are like martial arts jujitsu kettlebells so it's all like real brolic bro-y like fucking rogan-y exercise but it's Uh like it's what i like and it works for me and i don't know and there's actually really like cool you know uh progressive uh like evolved people who are in those oh, things sure. too like it's not yeah. all just like a bunch of dumb meatheads and misogynists and stuff like that's for the, sure that's the it's stigma. not just that's for the anymore yeah. betas can work out now too we can do it too <laughs> they'll let us in they'll let us in the gym that's good yeah no working out is great i think meditation too mm-hmm. helps me what I type of do meditation well. do you do i i do really simple it's i just have like these three audio things that are like 10 guided i guess it's called guided meditation mm-hmm. it's just from an app or my therapist sent them to me but it's from an app and there's like 10 minute guided meditation it's really easy but if you do that i try to do it every day but really do it probably five days a week and yeah. it really it i mean it just it just chills you out i it's so it's it's i would recommend it to anyone yeah 
I mean, and I think honestly, more than anything, there is the, you know, the actual like chemical endorphin thing that exercise gives you. And there is the like sort of quiet, you know, uh, uh, absent silent space that meditation gives you, uh, and sort of separation from your thoughts. But I think the overlooked thing in so much of it is just the discipline and the routine and having routine. something that you're building at every day that is yeah. actually something to like get out of bed for, or like actually something to plan your day around. Because when mm. I've been in my deepest ruts, it's when I have just like nothing. And I like feel like my life is chaos or when I've had been my most anxious, I feel like my life is chaos. And yeah. so if there is some sort of sense of like, I'm doing this thing, I have this project, I'm making progress on this. I'm, you know, working towards this, you know, like then, uh, it like things start to fall into place, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you just because you you can't you you everyone thinks that's gonna be like one little one change that like right then you'll go from happy to sad, but it's not. It's like a very gradual process that you'll look back one day and be like, oh, I am happier now. But you're not gonna really notice it when it's happening because it's it's just a little better every day when you do the disciplined scheduled things. Yeah, I feel like people expect to turn a corner and it doesn't Yeah, there's no really, corner. Really. It doesn't really do that. Like you look back on like 6 months and you're like, "Oh, like I've been doing a little better now." Like and it's right. but it's still you still have bad days, you know, like at my best I still have like bad days where I've like you know, like an asshole to my girlfriend or whatever and like or or, or like rude to somebody or like lose my temper or like whatever, I, you know, my bad habits are um, you know, yeah, like there's this idea that there's like happy or sad people, but it's just we're all just people who are happy or sad on any mm -hmm. given day. There's not, there's no one's, you can't, you like, I think social media tricks us a lot. You like see people's Instagram and they're always happy and smiling, and you're like, oh, they're a happy person. But it's like, no, they're not. They, yeah, they just don't post the pictures of them crying over a bottle of rose or whatever. <laughs> they're just, I do. Lying. That's what I post because that yeah, because my yeah. social media brand is being a depressed guy. So yes, like, yeah, I make I'm a joke out of it, guy. and that's my thing. But so then I don't post when I'm smiling. So then right. we're just all we're all lying. Yeah, I mean, like I honestly I posted like a sincere post the other day of just like my girlfriend and my dog on the beach, and you know she's like it's like the sun setting and the water's great and she looks great uh -huh. and the dog looks great and like and just like yeah my life's really good and like I yeah. like struggled to post that because i was like is this too sincere am i like coming uh -huh. off like a wife guy like am i coming off yeah. like just is this too cringe and i was just like brad just be like be just happy be, be happy and yeah. be sincere and like express some joy for once in your fucking life you know yes like, being sincere is huge being it's sincere hard, you don't, dude don't... like especially like yeah. uh, again like this is a thing that i think that's very common with comedians like comedy is like the wall that gets sort uh -huh. of pushed between and like sincerity is hard uh for a lot of people in comedy and who are like really talented there's a lot of people who i've wanted to invite on this show who i know like they're funny and i know they got issues they're i know they got hurt in them the i can see time. it but yeah they're just gonna riff and they're just like yeah. i'm not gonna be able to crack that nut you know like yeah. it's it's just exactly. it's hard it is it's i think yeah i think that's a thing i've learned in the last year or two is to be sincere every once in a while don't worry if the boys are going to light you up in the group chat or whatever <laughs> like it's it's going to be okay you can you can like things you don't have to hate everything and 
Right. I, I used to be in that in that area. I like hated on everything. I thought it was cool to hate things, but it's way cooler to like things. Like to, it, yeah. that's so cheesy, but it's like just like stuff. What are some things lately that that have given you that? That have given you just uh, some like I am unironically into this, and I don't care if it's if it's embarrassing. Uh, what would it? What would that be? Well, I, I just I would say mine is like I'm like a nerd for military history. I think that that shit, hmm. I just read about battles all day. I think it's the, the coolest thing in the world. That's like my thing. I'm like, I don't care if you make fun of me. I love Napoleon. <laughs> like that's, right. that's just, that's my thing. What is I it guess. about military history? Cause you don't strike me as a like jingoistic, like I love no, war kind of No, I'm guy. not at all. I'm incredibly anti-war. I think war right. is the most terrible thing, but I also, it is like a fascinating thing that like, 70,000 men just march on a plane with right. swords in their hands and just chop each other's heads off for no real reason. Right. It doesn't really make any sense. Because two rich people told them to. <laughs> like, yeah, because two rich crazy. people want to own land or something. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense now. It didn't make any sense then. Right. I keep doing it. And I, it is funny. In a, and there's a lot of humor in war, too, I think. I, I, it's fun to learn about the soldiers and how they actually lived. I think that's very interesting. Right. That, so like all our, like that, all, I, what I really think is interesting is that like all our grandpas like fucked every woman in France, <laughs> like yeah. when they fought in World War II and you, no one ever talks about that. They all they got, just, they all got chlamydia, bro. All they, of them. All, they, like 20% of soldiers got STDs. It was yeah. like an incredible amount. I think that's so funny. Yeah. Um. So your, a lot, it seems like a lot of your, uh, I don't know, sadness, depression comes from you're, you're kind of a, a, a lovelorn guy. Um, there's a lot of yeah. just sadness that comes from just relationships and, and uh, you know, drama in that department. Um, yeah. What has your uh, relationship been with, uh, you know, sexuality, masculinity and all of that stuff? Right. Well, I yeah, I, I was kind of weird. I didn't. The one thing about our Catholic school is that we never really had a sex ed. They didn't like tell us sex was evil, but they also didn't tell us what sex was either. Right. So like I didn't. They were like, I can, I don't confirm nor deny the existence of yeah, sex. Yeah, exactly. right. they're like, they won't find eighty percent of the internet or whatever. <laughs> and, and I, I truly like, I'm not even. I did not really know what sex was till I was like eighteen or nineteen. I didn't really understand what the actual. I was very sheltered. You didn't know way. until you were eighteen or nineteen. I did. I, I like, I knew like the penis went in a hole, but I didn't really understand what or why right. or which You didn't hole. know which I, hole. You I, didn't know what it was. I truly didn't. I thought sex, I mean, I thought like baby making could be up the butt. I didn't. I didn't right. Know. It's embarrassing, but I can sure. say it now. I had some but, misconceptions. I had some really funny ones. You want to hear them? Yeah. What were yours? Okay. So I thought before I was given like sex ed, I thought that sperm was in your pee. That you oh, peed yeah, in the for lady. Sure, for sure. And that I thought that's why when you pee your pants, it kind of burns a little bit. And I was like, oh, those are my <laughs> sperms eating my leg. <laughs> and I was, I was, it didn't occur to me that I wasn't making those yet. And that's not where it comes from. And that's not how that works. Yeah. You're just and it's not, they're, they're not yeah. acidic. Like they don't eat away at you. Um, yeah, and I funny. also, the first time I saw a vagina, I was amazed that it was like tucked up under the leg. I thought it was out front. Right. I thought it yeah, was like, I didn't know like it was right so the... underneath, like under the torso, like down yeah. there. Like I thought yeah. it was just like right out front, like, like my yeah. is, you know, like, 
I was just like, that's crazy that it's it's way under there. We think that it's was mind just like the belly me. button, just a like revelation right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did is, you I definitely... did you like masturbate and stuff before you knew about I, what sex was? No, you had I'd no really, idea. That's another weird thing. Wow. That I never. I didn't masturbate until I was like twenty six years old. Probably. What? Yeah. Whoa. No one ever, yeah. No one ever believes that, but it is. I mean, I like definitely got hard, and I did have looking back a lot more wet dreams than an adult probably should have. Right. I think the 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 levy was just overflowing or whatever. Yeah, you had to have. You're like full of hormones. Yeah. You're like yeah. full of horniness. That is when your and body I, is like, let's go. And yeah. you're like, you don't even like, know what it's trying what to tell you, you to do. For, buddy? <laughs> do yeah, what? Know. Do what? You can put it put it where? What's a penis? Like <laughs> Yeah. All my sperm were just in the dark, like, what's our job again? Like, yeah. What are we supposed to do? Oh my yes, god. Yes, I didn't I didn't have sex till I was like 26, 27 either. So it was like, I don't, I'd actually, yeah, I was just really shy. You, I don't know. You discovered like, masturbation and had sex for the first time at, all in the same year. In about a year. I think I had sex first before I ever masturbated. Wow. And no, uh, maybe not. I it mean, that's got it. That's a little bit of a letdown when you, you like finally jerk off and you're like, yeah, this right. is okay. I kind of wish there was actually a was first. Wow. I think, I think I did masturbate like almost before, but that, I, I don't know. Very close together for sure. And yeah, I don't, I don't really know why I was a virgin so long. I was just kind of shy. That was my, I just didn't really quite know right. what to do. I wasn't like, I'm not, I wasn't like an insanely attractive guy, but I wasn't ugly either. I just oh. didn't know. I just didn't know what to say. You're an all right looking it. guy. You got good eyebrows, you know? Yeah. You, yeah. I'm fine. You're fine. I used to be, I used to be worse. I used to look worse. I had really bad facial hair in college. Uh, I had like a, you... a chin, I did a chin strap. Oh no, thing. the chin strap. Was, yeah, it was, oh, that was pretty rough. That that's was pretty okay. Rough. Well, but I did, and I got drunk. I got too drunk. I got like so drunk where like, I couldn't even have a conversation with women. Like I was just right. like, I was the guy who was blacked out by 9 30 PM every night. So right. Like, and that that fucked it up too a little bit, right? But I mean, but the thing was, like, you clearly some part of you did want to be like interacting with women, like you wanted, right. like you you were lovelorn and it. obsessed with women ever since you were like what yeah. fifteen or so. Yeah. But like you just you didn't know what how to go about any of that. It was like it, this whole. It was the only thing I wanted in life, and I had no idea how to get it. And I, there was a point where I just kind of gave up, like when I was 22 to like 25, I just, mm -hmm. I really just gave up on dating and women and it actually started to work better than I did. Like I didn't have sex, but like I did hook up with women or whatever you say. And then I find I, the comedy really broke the scene steel, honestly. Right. It got me like, I got out of my bubble. I learned how to talk to people. I got more confident in myself. Right. Kind of saved me a little bit. Um, was there ever like a like an anger or resentment, a bitterness in the in the loneliness? Uh, there, I did. I looking back, I did kind of have a, I don't know if a hatred of women is the word, but like right. I, well, I was always like, well, they only like mean guys. They don't like nice right. guys like me. It's like no, they like people who like say how they feel and don't use women as friends for sex or whatever. Like right. they like. I wasn't, I thought I was being nice by being their friend, but secretly wanting to fuck them. But that's mm -hmm. actually not nice at all. Right. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Yeah. We all, I mean, I feel like a lot of us in our like age bracket sort of discovered that. And, yeah. you know, I think we, 
Uh, I think we're about the same age. I'm, I'm about to turn uh, 37. Uh, oh, I'm 31, 31. Okay, yeah. So, so very similar, yeah. Yeah, but like, I think we luckily, I mean, well, I think it was just a different wave of it because like when, when I was younger, when I was like in my early 20s, there was this conversation popping up around like the term nice guys, like, you know, with a capital yeah. N. And, uh-huh. uh, and, and that being like this whole breed of dude who, you know, it, it was that real passive aggressive type of guy who yes. uh, branded himself as like, I'm not like other guys. I'm, you know, a lot more sensitive and I respect women and all of this stuff. But like, I'm also... I still at the end of the day kind of expect something from them. Exactly. And yeah. like I will admit that I fell into that a lot and oh, had to sure. unlearn a lot of that stuff because it's you get like you get so many mixed messages. You get so many different uh I don't know signals from from media and from people around you your peers or whatever that just make you feel like i mean just i was a ball of nerves in my in my 20s like uh just you know being so desperate to not come off as as sexist and understanding feminism and being sympathetic to uh, women and feminism and all of that stuff, you know, having grown up in a fairly like, I guess like liberal, you know, unitarian household and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. Um, but, but then at the same time having, uh, you know, kind of the shittier side of masculinity and the media and all of that stuff, just toxic masculinity that was actually more in line with what my physical impulses were telling me that like, you know, like, no, you just want like a big titty bitch. Like that's what you want. You just want a big titty bitch to suck off your fat dick. And I was just like, I do, I do, but I don't want to say that. Like, you know, and just like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't square that circle. Like it was so hard for me to understand that like, no, you can be a, bro, you can like have a sexuality and you can like want to fuck women. You just don't treat them like shit. Like you just like, you have to hide it. Yeah. You don't have to hide it, which is creepy. And you don't have to like announce it on front page and just like walk around with a shirt that says like, I eat pussy and stuff like that. You don't have to do that either. You know, like there is a medium in there. Yes. Yeah. I was the guy who was like, I was like, Oh, I, I don't like you because you're, hot i like you because uh we get along great and i would never (laughs) say you have good tits or anything i just like talking to you right and then i would be shocked when they wouldn't want to have sex with me i'm like right bitches they just used me it's like no you used them (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it was a revelation when it was just like it was like actually in certain contexts women do like hearing that you're attracted to them and that you like their tits and stuff like that. You just have to already really have that vibe established. You can't just like, can't come out of nowhere. Can't just like say shit like that. But you know, if you're actually having that kind of relationship with somebody like you, you want to like actually put out sexual vibes towards them. They, they they welcome that and it's fine. I thought it was like offensive to make a move to be like, yeah, see, well, again, like this is what like so many, like, I don't know, like incel people and like right wing types will say is just like, you know, with the me too thing, flirting is dead and like stuff like that. It's just like, no dude, like 
it's just, not you, it's contextual you, you yeah. do have to read the situation yeah it, it takes a little work but yeah you can still flirt yeah of course comedy so comedy helped you kind of work past a lot of that yeah i was and, i mean yeah i really i really did not even like kiss many women before i started comedy if i'm looking back really yeah really it really got me out of my shell and mm -hmm. i got to meet new people because comedy you get to travel you meet yeah i mean you have a lot of co-workers i know like thousands of comedians just because we do shows together you just meet you get in introduced to new way new new ideas you meet audience members you just get numb yeah. to the idea of talking i'm not nearly as nervous as i used to be i can like talk to people and that's really all it was that was holding me back yeah really. you just i just didn't believe in what i had to say and then but when you do comedy and like 100 people laugh at what you say you're like oh maybe people do like to hear my voice or right whatever. i mean it's got it's the ultimate confidence builder to be like the guy on stage and 100 people are laughing at what you're saying and you're you know yeah. you're holding I mean, the room a, I don't even, I, I also made me, I didn't do like a lot of drugs in college, but like I did like, I had like a year where I did like Molly and acid mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And like, then I did comedy. I was like, oh, that none of that stuff even remotely compares to this feeling. I think when you find like some organic high, it's obviously way better than a, a drug, honestly. Mm. Mm. Do you ever struggle with uh, self-sabotage, imposter syndrome, like getting in your own way? Um, I, I, I hear imposter syndrome thrown around a lot. I don't, know it is I, a real popular I, kind of buzzword now. I don't know it? if I entirely understand what it is, right. but is it where like, you don't think you deserve success kind of, or something? Yeah. Um, or you feel before you even put yourself out there. I mean, my understanding of it or my experience with it, like how I would identify it in my past is uh -huh. that. I will have a creative impulse to do something and then will immediately just be like, you know what? Like, fuck that. The world doesn't need to hear from you, you know, oh, or, yeah. or you're not qualified to do this. You're not funny enough. You're not smart okay. enough. You're not, you know, you don't, you're not talented enough. Um, and, or, and oftentimes it comes through in, in, you know, jobs, like I'm not qualified for this job. I would not be able to handle this. Uh -huh. like, I would fuck it up. And so I don't even apply, you know, and, oh, and I end up in just like, you know, like I, I, I walk dogs and move apartments for a living because like, right, well, you, because you the idea of like actually like dog. having like a real like job where I like have a title and answer emails and shit like, no, I, I'm, I'm too irresponsible. I'm too stupid. Uh -huh. That's my narrative. Okay. That, so. that makes, that makes sense. That's okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. I definitely do have that sometimes. I mean, I, I get over it slowly. Like I used to, it's just little, th little things. Like I used to like not message shows or comedy clubs to perform there because i'm like they don't want you you fucking hack or whatever mm -hmm. like little so i do definitely self-sabotage or i like there were like a few times where i got like auditions for something and i had to you got to send in a self-tape and i just didn't do it because i was like oh you'd fuck it up anyways why would you even try right. or stuff like that i did yeah i do get i'm getting a lot better at not getting ahead of myself but i do get in front of myself sometimes and maybe i Maybe I, I like if I'm like, like an example is I try to write jokes for an hour every day, but for a long time I was like, don't even put the pen down. It's going to be terrible. Just have a drink or hang out with a friend or something. That'll be it. You're just going to fail at these jokes anyways. I, so that does happen a lot. Yeah. Hmm. Um, 
is the voice in your head your inner narrator is it generally nice or generally not so nice i i think until about a year ago it was generally pretty mean like it was like oh you fucked this up again you fuck up everything i used to have a i used to have like a thought that i realized was not a logical thought where i thought that i that like how do i even say i thought that if i imagined something good would happen then it wouldn't happen mm. that if i thought like i'm gonna have a good set or a good show then it's not gonna happen if i thought the girl would like ants go on a date with me then she's gonna say fuck you you ugly bitch or like right. i like thought that i could like control what was happening in the future which is an insane thought to have but that really got in my way too so if I'd imagine something happening, I wouldn't even try to make it happen because I'd be like, ah, it's jinxed. It's over now. Right. You already imagined the good outcome. Therefore, it's, yeah, it's so like it's, it can't happen. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I didn't I was too stupid to realize that. Well, there I just made fun of myself again. Right there. <laughs> you so, stupid fuck. Um, yeah, how exactly. uh, how did you dispel that thought pattern? What what helped you do that? That was a that was a thing therapy really helped with because I think it's good to have I mean, they're, they're a neutral observer. They don't have any reason, I don't think, to lie to you. So they're like, sh she was like, yeah, that's not true. Just because you don't imagine that you're gonna, don't, just because you don't imagine that like you're gonna perform at that comedy club it has no bearing on whether it's gonna happen or not. So you gotta realize that your brain tricks you. That's really what I learned in therapy, that your brain is like trying to trick you all the time. You can't always think that your thoughts are reality just because your brain thinks something doesn't mean it's true necessarily hell yeah jeffrey osmus thank you so much for coming on the show this was really yeah. great uh if people want to find you and your work uh where can where can they do that uh i think the place the best place would be instagram i uh my hash my hashtag jesus i'm so old <laughs> my handle is uh at jeffrey g-e-o-f-f-r-e-y atm mm -hmm. jeffrey atm it does stand for jeffrey ass to mouth because <laughs> I, am, I thought it was at the moment for some reason yeah that's what everyone thinks no because my nickname in college was jeffrey astamouth for no reason just, <laughs> you know, i never did it i just because osmus asmus asmus astamouth okay yeah, okay so okay that, okay that's, that's and you were like jokes on you i'm a virgin yeah exactly <laughs> jokes on you i would never do that god is one <laughs> come on yeah so yeah instagram's the place i do most of my stuff yeah all right yeah check them out and check out uh your comedy special uh the prodigal little bitch is one of yes. my favorites it's fucking oh, incredible uh check that out it's on you know spotify but if you can yep. find it on a different platform where jo jeffrey actually it's on gets amazon paid, you can buy it on, it on yeah amazon. buy it like actually money. spend some money yeah uh yeah. maybe do it that way too yes. um so yeah uh well this is great man yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Have a good night. All right. Thank you once again to Jeffrey Osmus for being on the show. Nice guy. Thoughtful guy. Smart ass dude. Midwestern boy. Follow him on socials. Follow me on socials. Uh, Bradical Pearson on Twitter and Instagram. Follow the show at SelfWorst on Instagram. You can DM me there if you got a problem with my uh, aversion to astrology. If you want to fight me. 
about astrology, I'll fight you. Bring it. Um, and that's about it. But patreon.com slash self worst. Yes. Um, and, uh, I am spacey today. Oh my God. I need to eat. I'm not starving myself. Don't worry. I know I talked a lot about it. Like the, the, I never really had an eating disorder, by the way. That we that never manifested. I, I wasn't proactive enough to do that. I just continue having a, a body I don't like and feeling bad. That's my approach. Anyway, patreon.com slash self-worst. Help us out. Uh, rate and review on iTunes. Give us a nice rating. And I'll give you a shout out on the show. How about that? That'd be cool. All right. Music is by Shea Bartell. Thank you, Shea. Thank you all for listening. I love each and every one of you. And your smoking hot bodies. And your fucking fugly, flabby, ugly, awful, hairy bodies, too. Fine. It is what it is. Some of you gross like me. It's okay. Who gives a shit? Some of you are in your upper 30s and you're flabby and you suck and I love you. I die for you. I kiss you on the lips. I'm Brad Pearson. Until next time, go out and fail. It's good for you.